0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to talk about X-Men number 38, the November 1967 issue titled The Sinister Shadow of Doomsday. Our oceans have become cesspools of corruption humans have dumped millions of gallons of cancer-causing chemicals, hormones, insecticides, and pharmaceuticals into the water we drink. Huge
1: swathes of the ocean have become dead zones incapable of sustaining marine life. Our water may someday poison those who drink it
0: and create genetic monsters out of their children. Toxic gases poison the air we breathe and asthma and cancers have reached epic proportions. Humans have set fire to our planet Burn down ancient forests, which recycle and replenish our water and air.
1: Possibly my favorite issue on the topic of Doomsday.
0: <laughs> uh, it lost it lost the title one minute to Doomsday that we were threatened with last issue.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that, and that was an awesome title.
0: Yeah, um, you like that one.
1: I gotta say though, uh, so this cover features the Blob, and Vanisher, as well as Angel and the Beast and Marvel Girl as well as some green-hooded guys. And I've seen this cover half a dozen times at least, but it wasn't until this time that I finally realized that they're actually fighting outside of a castle. Because to me, it kind of looks like they're in some sort of wrestling gym. <laughs> I mean, it, maybe it's just because I wasn't paying attention to the background, but more the foreground. Because, you know, Beast is coming in out of nowhere, and Beast, and uh, Blob is, you know, he's wrestling angel, and Marvel Girl just kind of looks on.
0: Well, she's busy telekinetically tossing around the green hooded dudes.
1: That's right; these guys. It's not must just be, looking on. These guys must be what green aim.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Vanisher fires a shot into the air. He's like,
1: "Stop it, guys! Guys, this isn't cool. I thought we were gonna take over the world today." <laughs> Shut up and vanish. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Poof. Humanity Oh, and you know what? It's also this little uh banner here that says Humanity has never seen more awesome arch fiends than the Blob and the Vanisher. So it's almost like the X-Men versus the Blob and the Vanisher in a fight to the death.
0: If I didn't know any better.
1: Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Humanity Anyways.
0: has never faced a deadlier disaster than Doomsday.
1: And here's the thing: the last tag on the cover that kind of threw me for a loop, and I'll explain where. Uh, as I was reading the issue, bonus starting this blockbuster-ish a new smash series, the origins of the X-Men. So we get two stories today, fellas. And
0: now, is that a sign that a comic book is losing popularity when it has to? divided stories into two or any idea on the reason behind this
1: i don't know if it's a trend in comic books but i'm pretty sure based on some of the research that i've done into the x-men that sales are waning at this point
0: (laughs) can't imagine why
1: (laughs) come on we've been telling the same factor three story for a, a year now all right so the title of this comic book is indeed not one minute until Doomsday, as promised in the last episode or issue. It is the sinister shadow of dot, 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 Doomsday.
0: Honestly, it's a good thing it's not called One Minute Till Doomsday because this issue takes place over what feels like several days.
1: Ugh. <laughs> 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 you know... To draw a parallel, I was reading the uh, last month's Walking Dead, issue number 95, and I think I cranked through that issue in about five minutes. (laughs) And this darn comic book here... I think took me about 25, 30 minutes to chug through. This is a great
0: setup for the issue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh,
0: you might as well skip ahead to the last 10 minutes there, fans.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to be hilarious. Oh, okay, good. Trust good. me, you want to hear our riveting commentary and uh, all of the X-Men that we make fun of. Okay, so anyways, the other thing to note about this issue is uh, apparently Ross Andrew also lost complete interest in this story because they now have brought on... Don Heck,
0: who, in my opinion, is not that impressive.
1: He's no Russ Andrew or Werner Roth or Jack E-ho. Kirby. Yep. Don Heck is not good. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Don Heck, if you're still out there and in the business, but uh, maybe this is his early work. And, and uh, he went on to do really good stuff later on.
0: Yes, he changed his name later in comic book years to Jim Lee.
1: <laughs> oh, OK. Awesome. Alright, so we get our first um splash panel here. We've got Bugman or the Master Mutant or whatever his name is. Who's mutant on Mutant the...
0: Master? We're essentially leaving off from where we where we stopped in the last issue, which is the X Men are staring at a giant screen and giving up.
1: Yeah, the mutant master's like, Oh, doesn't matter that you escape because the world's gonna end in the Third World War. Ha ha ha. But he's on a video screen and so the X Men are like, oh, He's mocking us. What are we going to do? It's going to be doomsday. Come on, let's go.
0: And we already mentioned uh, Roy Thomas and Don Heck. Or did we mention Roy Thomas? But the issue is inked gingerly by George Bell and lettered elfishly by L.P. Gregory. These are all new people.
1: Yeah, apparently Marvel went through a hiring uh, um, bash here.
0: I think this is one of them, their fill-in issues.
1: Ah, one would hope so. (laughs) <laughs> we won't know until next episode, though. Yeah. So as we move on to the next page, gone are our uh, Ross Andrew perspective shots, and we're back to square, simple panels, kind of boring looking. Oh, well. Yeah. So Cyclops is not... the Cyclops is commenting about how the mutant master is, isn't even concerned that the X-Men have escaped... Marvel Girl's like, it's almost as if he knew we'd never find him in time or be able to rescue Professor X or the Banshee.
0: Oh, he's such a tough villain. No villain has ever been this tough and confident.
1: So the X-Men are a bit puzzled as to why the mutant master doesn't really care that the X-Men escaped, Um, as am I, to be quite honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's just a rather confident dude.
1: A little, little overconfident, so... Uh, Beast makes the announcement that we better get out of here because this place is about to blow up. And the rest of the X-Men are like, I don't, all right, well, we should probably leave, but I don't don't know if I believe this, Beast. Uh, (laughs) How how could you possibly know that this place is about to blow up?
0: And they get into these two spaceships that are left behind, some of the egg-shaped saucers from previous issues.
1: Beast also Um, comments that, isn't it fortunate that these flying eggshells are as simple to pilot as our late lamented X-Copter? <laughs> so,
0: One of many fortunate things this issue.
1: <laughs> two things. What happened to their X-Copter? I forgot. I, I thought that the, in like two issues ago, they couldn't fly it here because it didn't have enough gas or something.
0: Um. Yeah, well, that was the X-Plane.
1: Okay. So the X-copter, I'm not sure what happened
0: to the X-Copter.
1: They must have blown it up, maybe fighting the Juggernaut or something.
0: Yeah, they threw it at the juggernaut, Oh, remember? yeah,
1: they tried to chop him into pieces. That was a really cool yeah. panel. Okay. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, it is very fortunate that they can fly these egg-shaped spaceships that the mutant master happened to leave behind, and apparently this abandoned fortress that they were at but are no longer at. I'm so confused. Like, <laughs> did the mutant master and the changeling, changeling capture the X-Men? Because they had that whole dialogue of, look who we are, and we're evil, and we're going to start World War Three now. Go into the uh, Oblivio Ray, and then what? Did they leave? Go to their yeah, other base. Guess so. <laughs> okay, they're in the Oblivio Ray. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's go to our second base. This is Yay! gonna be awesome. It turns out that uh, the Beast has developed a third or fourth mutant power. His feet <laughs> are so sensitive to uh, vibrations, or I don't know what, but he can. His feet could tell that there was a bomb hidden beneath the very floor. What else
0: do you think he could detect with sensitive feet? Iceman's doing the dishes.
1: (laughs) Marvel Girl is thinking about Cyclops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) I just wish she was. Uh, And so Iceman's kind of like, what? You're crazy. What a harebrained idea. And at just that... Before
0: he finishes his sentence, the fortress of Mutant Master explodes behind them and yep. they're actually in two egg-shaped saucers which i didn't realize the first time
1: i didn't really either be up there in two two egg-shaped saucers i'm gonna actually go back it was the angel who's talking to cyclops saying wait i'm conv- i don't know who's in what ship to be honest <laughs> it doesn't beast matter
0: Cyclops, or beast and iceman are in one ship and angel and cyclops are in another ship yeah, but And they left Marvel Girl behind
1: <laughs> If you look at the third panel It looks like Beast yeah, is Cyclops is
0: in the same ship as, as Beast
1: Iceman is flying it It looks like Beast is talking about Oh it's so great that these are just like our X-copters And somebody, presumably Iceman Is saying, yeah Beastie We're already lifting off from it And it's still intact
0: Alright, so Iceman, Beast, and Cyclops Are in one ship And Jean Grey and Angel are in the other ship
1: Alright, okay
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, And then, so we flip the page after Iceman says, Is there any way I can strike that comment from the record?
0: (laughs) Wah, wah, wah.
1: And uh, Iceman trying to, er, and Cyclops trying to keep a little bit of uh, uh, levity to the air says, Don't worry about it, Bobby. We got more urgent things to do.
0: To which Beast says, uh, What are we going to do about the finals? scheme to destroy the world, creating another world war, and uh,
1: what's our next step, Mr. Summers? And Cyclops says, back to the school! (laughs) We just spent a whole issue trying to figure out how we could raise money to get to Europe to find the mutant master and the changeling, and we did, and they tried to kill us, so I think our next step should be to go back to the school, (laughs) (laughs) instead of staying here with our future technology and... Uh, trying to find the Mutant Master and the Changeling.
0: Until the Mutant Master tips his hand. (laughs) Yeah. Which, according to his plan, shouldn't actually happen until the World War III starts.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they're they're going back to the school. So they literally came to Europe for like five pages of the comic book. They came to get captured, to hear the plot of the story, I'm sorry, to hear the plot of the Earth's destruction, be captured, escape and that's it yeah (laughs) okay impressive all right so
0: luckily these ships are really really fast
1: so we go to uh apparently the second base uh where the changeling and the mutant master are having a little discussion about how things are progressing
0: and the changeling is questioning mutant master's logic Saying, how did two magno discs come to be left completely operational in our base that exploded?
1: That's a really good question, Changeling.
0: And, uh, Mutant Master responds, shut up, fool.
1: What does changeling, it matter? We aim at nothing less than mutant <laughs> supremacy over the remnants of the war-torn planet, and you waste your time on insignificant trifles?
0: Changeling's like, dude, nobody calls me a fool.
1: I'm the Changeling, yo! A change up on you.
0: You can't do anything without my help. I'm I'm the changeling. And then um
1: was it not I who gathered our agents from among the X-Men's greatest enemies? Did I not? Shut and up. then suddenly swap <laughs> Hold your tongue, knave, lest I abruptly dispose of your services thus.
0: Why does he have white balloons and yellow balloons? I'm oh not well.
1: really sure cuz as we continue, you'll see those same sort of jaggedy lines in yellow and white, but they'll, they're kind of indicating that he's thinking to himself. Hmm. But I don't know. Here he says... Uh, um, he
0: activates a lethal, invincible weapon that um, could have obliterated Changeling where he stood, mm-hmm. but he was feeling nice.
1: Yeah, or apparently... Changeling it's... is
0: a little bit more worried now.
1: Apparently the changeling, either he stepped out of the way or the mutant master is just doing a show of, of power.
0: So, I think it's a show of power type thing. Yeah. Uh, to put some fear into changeling, which, which works as you see in the middle panel on the next page. So at this point. He's like,
1: zoinks. <laughs> zoinks, mutant master. What are we going to do next? So far, just to recap dear listeners, we don't know what the changeling's powers are. We don't know what the Mutant Master's power are, but we do know that the Mutant Master has apparently one gadget, or or many gadgets. He's got the Oblivio Ray, and now whatever this this ray is. So, Mm -hmm. we don't know what their powers are yet.
0: Well, the Oblivio Ray isn't a mutant power.
1: That's what I'm saying. We don't know what his power is. So far, we've only seen a force of technology.
0: Okay. Well, edit that out then. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. So the now uh, surprised and, and fearful changeling says, In no way did I mean to challenge your leadership, Master. I desire merely to serve our common cause and destroy the race of Homo sapiens. And the mutant master says, Good dog. And pets him on the head.
1: <laughs> Throws him a milk bone. <laughs> Uh, For it is I who have designed our many weapons and devices, such as this mammoth floating sphere in which we now await success, undetected by even humans' most modern radar. So, they left their mountain base in favor of a sphere base, and I guess I would too if I had a floating sphere.
0: Yeah, they were like, hey, check out my cool sphere base. Let's (laughs) go check it out and we'll leave the X-Men behind. With some ships.
1: Mutant Master's like, I just picked it up from the body shop. I got the radio installed. You want to go for a (laughs) ride, Changeling? Ooh, yes, Master. Let's go pick up Lob. (laughs) We get a cool panel of um, what the Mutant Master uh, describes as his master plan, which is basically East and West shooting at each other into a vengeful, destructive nuclear war. At which point so, the ev- the the mutants will inherit the Earth. And you get a cool shot, I think, of Mastermind, Vanisher, Eunice, and the Blob kind of reaching towards the planet. It's kind of a neat panel.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't see the Earth there. Yeah. I thought they were just, like, playing basketball.
1: <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the The drawing is terrible, but I like the <laughs> concept. <laughs> so...
0: The Blob and Matt Vanisher are putting the his Mutant Master's plan into operation. Mastermind and, um, and Eunice are standing by. That's useful.
1: <laughs> Never know when you might need them.
0: And um, the Mutant Master says, if, if the X-Men dare to interfere, can I not easily destroy them with weapons such as this, which he sets off uh, a shock ray, it goes rum and its sonic waves permeate the chamber, filling Changeling's head like a deafening roar. Please, sire, turn it off, he shouts. And he does.
1: <laughs> that should be enough to ensure your loyalty. My loyalty to our cause needs no display, Master. So, eh, so they kind of go back and forth a little bit more about uh, taking over the Earth, who's in charge, that sort of thing and how they're going to enact their plan. Have we gotten to the point in the story yet where we learn that the mutant master is immobile?
0: Yes, uh Changeling mentioned it on the last page.
1: Okay. That's I think that's kind of an important piece of information. Uh granted there's a lot of words here and a lot of back and forth that's probably unnecessary, but the the main takeaway is there's a little power struggle Uh, Changeling thinks he's working for this greater cause and the mutant master is, I don't know, immobile. He's, uh, he's immobile,
0: but he's got this cool little spacecraft that he flies around in.
1: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, uh, Destro's skiff from when he was an iron grenadier. Oh yeah. If you recall.
0: I do. I do. (laughs) All
1: right. (laughs) Anyhow. Um, let's see.
0: So the, uh. The Changeling questions Mutant Master's plan again, and Mutant Master threatens Changeling again. There's a little bit of a repeat of what already happened, and then the, master the Mutant grows. Master asks well, the, the mas- Changeling to leave.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I, yes, and he does. And uh, If we're looking at the bottom of page 5, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here, but he appears to be... I don't know if he's vibrating or if he's in the engine room or what, but we haven't seen this room yet. It's
0: a pretty big room.
1: Yeah. Um, And uh, Changeling notices that the mutant master is becoming more arrogant as every minute passes.
0: Intolerably arrogant. He's getting pretty irritated with him.
1: That guy's annoying. (laughs) And so what we also learn here from the little yellow box is that uh, apparently the Changeling is turning on a radio signal that is at such a high frequency that only evil mutants and dogs can audibly hear them. (laughs) A note
0: which I was going to ignore.
1: Oh, sorry. But it was directed towards... No, that's okay. (laughs) It was directed towards the ham radio operators of the 60s who might write in looking for their no prize. Yeah,
0: probably. It's dumb. It's very dumb.
1: (laughs) So anyways, we'll move along.
0: Evil mutants and dogs.
1: (laughs) And the mutant master comments about the changeling. Oh, the fool is resistive, resentful, but he suspects nothing. So this is where he's not thinking, but he's talking aloud. But you would assume that changeling would be able to hear him. So I don't know if these are thought bubbles or if he's electronically whispering or what.
0: Changeling is totally in the other room like, what? What is he
1: saying? Like, I'm right here. I can hear everything you're saying. <laughs> you fool. You fool.
0: Using nope. his fascinating power, he manages to uh, demolish a piece of worn-out equipment. Not sure how. The uh, drawing doesn't quite elucidate that.
1: Yeah, what does he say? He says uh, "He says that the changeling won't... He doesn't suspect anything, nor will he until it's too late. Uh, and even if he did, it wouldn't avail him. Not he, nor all the evil mutants alike could stand against such a power as I possess. Oh, and then his power, as you said... Destroys like a car engine. Exactly. <laughs> Sheer unbridled power which could smash them as easily as I demolish that piece of worn-out equipment. For when the mutants rule the world, I shall rule the mutants. Thwham. Which
0: led me to think maybe he's like Magneto or something, you know? I guess we'll find out.
1: Yeah. That was, that was
0: my guess at this point.
1: Yeah. One other thing of interesting of interest, I think, maybe... And I'm not sure how the timelines work together, but I was reading in the last issue's letters section, somebody mentioned, oh, you should bring back Magneto. Wouldn't it be awesome to see Magneto? And the comment was, check out Avengers number, blah, blah, blah. Yes. So if the, uh, if the mutant master is getting together all of the evil mutants, shouldn't Magneto be part of that uh, cadre?
0: Oh, uh, maybe he is.
1: Oh. Maybe that'll happen later in the issue, and that's what. Maybe the mutant awesome. master is Magneto. Maybe I guess maybe I hadn't thought of that. And
0: he's wearing a random. Although if he's in the Avengers, probably not. Yeah, yeah. We should, we'll we'll recap that Avengers issue soon.
1: Perfect. So, anyways, we go back to the mansion. Uh, the flying discs have apparently made. Wait, it I did movie. want to point out one thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mutant master's costume changes color at this point.
1: Yeah. It's
0: been dark green up until this point, and now it's more of an olive color.
1: You're right.
0: Or brownish.
1: You're right. I want to say, though, that his helmet was this color in an earlier issue or cover.
0: Must be the lighting of the room.
1: Yes, it makes greens look bronze, and sometimes bronze (laughs) look red. Because I think it's been all three of those colors. But you're right. There was a color change. Yeah, it was
0: red on the cover of one issue. It looked like hair.
1: That's right. So then we go back to the uh, X-Mansion in Westchester, New York, and uh, they're talking about... They it back. Good job, X-Men. Quickly, too. They're talking about how Cerebro should be able to pick out the signals from the radio or whatever, yet they're looking at a paper map and not looking at Cerebro. So maybe maybe this is a printout of what Cerebro found.
0: Yeah, Cerebro um, did... I guess Cerebro did pick out two sets of radio signals, one for dogs and one for evil mutants. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And uh, so
1: then Stan was wrong. He said the signal was only audible by dogs and evil mutants and not cerebros.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe cerebros a dog.
1: Maybe they put the evil mutant filter on for uh, Cerebro. (laughs) at least. Okay. So they, the cerebro has picked out the signals and Marvel girl comments. At least we know where to go. Now we've got to hurry. If there's a chance to prevent world war two or I'm sorry, world war three.
0: I just want to say we're at the 20 some we're at the 20 some minute mark. This issue was tough. And uh I I hope I hope that's pretty evident. Yet at the same time, I hope you're having fun.
1: We read the issues so you don't have to. <laughs> uh so we we literally get this one panel of them checking the cerebro map and then them getting back into their flying saucers
0: to go back to Eastern Europe. I hope they get
1: to keep these because these things seem awfully handy.
0: I bet we'll never
1: see them again. <laughs> uh, and so, let's see—they split up in a different configuration. Now it's Beast, Angel, and Marvel Girl. In why what? was?
0: Why did they detect a the radio? Like radio signals at all? Why were they sending radio signals? Were what? they contacting? They were contacting uh, Blob and and Vanisher and letting them know. It's time, or
1: something. Yes, exactly. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know if like the the beast. In, I'm sorry. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Blob and Vanisher have radios, or if it's literally a signal that only evil mutants can hear. I don't know. It's just a dumb concept. So this is coincidence
0: number two in this issue, it, it, or you know, happenstance for the X Men. Oh, we found some ships. Oh, Cerebro found the exact signal we need.
1: Let's go back to Europe now. Yes. Uh, There could have
0: been some sort of writing around this so that they didn't have to go all the way back home.
1: I feel like somebody in the Marvel bullpen just isn't trying.
0: I feel like uh, Roy Thomas is working around Don Heck. (laughs) I blame (laughs) this issue on Don Heck.
1: So they get back into their airplane, Um I mean, it could be Don Heck, because think about it for a second. The last panel we saw of the X-Men was just them flying away from the explosion, and then you get this panel of them looking in in the map. So this this doesn't necessarily have to be the mansion. This could be inside of another European castle.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you could have used, like, some sort of word balloon to say, hey, let's land at that European castle where there's a map room.
1: (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, so they get into their airplanes and they fly back off or their egg shaped planes and they fly off. Marvel Girl expresses some love for Cyclops. Oh, I hope he doesn't die. Not the one that I love. No, I mustn't think like this. Everything will be fine. We must succeed. We will succeed. Yep. Or something like that.
0: She's in the plane with Angel and Beast, and uh Cyclops and Iceman are in the other egg-shaped saucer, just to keep Track of that.
1: Yeah, and then in the next page, um, the Marvel Girl Beast and Ice or Marvel Girl Beast and Angel land in the forest. There's a lot of up and down here. We're, we're leaving. We're flying. We're landing. We're taking off. We're flying. We're back at the mansion. Now we're in Europe.
0: Mm. Uh, Donick. So,
1: so apparently, uh, they're in Europe, but they're in communist Europe. So is that East Germany maybe?
0: I don't know. I I figured they were in Mother Russia.
1: Yeah, but yeah, okay, maybe.
0: <laughs> they're in they there's somewhere in Eastern Europe where every all sorts of leaders are meeting.
1: Yeah. And Beast does drop the uh yet we're actually here to save the entire human race including our anti-capitalistic comrades. Yeah. Tom. So. This is the
0: first appearance of Colossus in this
1: issue? (laughs) Look at that big metal man saving his sister (laughs) from the tractor. We could use him. (laughs) So, So,
0: Angel's Reconnaissance Flight reveals that the medieval castle over there is guarded like Fort Knox. So, the X-Men decide to check it out. Uh, They know that somewhere a top-secret conference is going on. They don't know where.
1: And in the top secret conference there's a bunch of people in military suits like pointing at stuff and we get a cutaway panel here of a bomb and this took me a little while to figure out what the heck was going on but it's a pair of legs and behind the pair of legs is a bomb is a bomb and if you if you look at the special note there it's a cutaway drawing so that might be behind something or in a chair I'm not really sure
0: so it's under the table
1: I'm not, no, because there's a leg and a hand as if like, you know. I see the leg and the hand. Is
0: that another leg in the foreground?
1: I can't really. This is a terrible, terrible panel. It's, (laughs) It's green, red, and white, and that's. It's
0: between somebody's legs, it looks like.
1: I think it's between two people. Like there's the leg on the right, and then there's a leg on the left, but those belong to two different people. Right. So anyhow, that's where the bomb is, everybody.
0: It's between some uh, between somebody's legs under the table. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm guessing.
1: It's between. I I, th- I thought that
0: guy's hand was a grenade at first.
1: It, it took me. I was like, "What is this panel?" And I read the note, and it was like, "We just had to put this cutaway drawing of the menacing device," so you knew. Where... And I was like, "What man? What is that?" Because it actually <laughs> kind of looks like tractor. Tr- or no, it actually looks like uh, tank treads. Hmm. I'm like, is this a tank driving to something that I don't really get here? It's a panel they just dropped in for no reason. But anyways.
0: The colorist could have done something to make this a little clearer.
1: We're dealing with a new colorist, aren't we? Yeah. So anyways, uh, outside of the castle, um, Angel picks up Marvel Girl as if it weren't no thing.
0: And she comments that uh, she's worried about Hank. They had to leave him behind. Which begs the um,
1: question, why didn't she just levitate herself up and then Angel could have carried Beast up there?
0: Well, she says he was too heavy to carry.
1: Yeah, with her. <laughs> so if Angel's carrying her, he can't carry Beast.
0: Well, last issue, he was able to carry all of them.
1: I know, from a falling airplane and slow their descent. Mm-hmm. Inconsistent.
0: <laughs> adrenaline. It's all chalked up to adrenaline. <laughs> okay. He's not feeling it right now.
1: So uh, anyhow, um, there so, are. Yeah.
0: Marvel girl can fly. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, she could have levitated herself. Angel could have picked up beast. And even if beast was a little too heavy, Marvel could have extended a little bit of her telekinesis just to help out with that last extra couple of pounds of beast. And they, as they well, could we know used... that
0: maybe beast has been putting on the pounds. Cause we know that Marvel girl can pick up beast or she has in the past.
1: Yeah. She's flipped him over and spun him around and stuff. Anyhow.
0: Oh, well, he has to take the ground route.
1: Some communist comrade with his (laughs) jackboots, I assume, sees uh, Angel and Marvel Girl go over the wall, and he decides that I've got to to bring them down. I've got to kill them.
0: This has got to be a Frenchman. That's what I figure.
1: He's got the mustache. (laughs) Two costume figures, one of whom has wings. There must be enemies. I must bring them down. I need wine for my family.
0: <laughs> Beast takes him out.
1: Yeah, and handily, uh, he, quite handily,
0: he drops his gun and fires a shot, and then that sends everybody running out. Which I figured it, it was sending out uh, the people who are actually having the conference, mm-hmm. but but no, I was wrong.
1: No, this is just a bunch of guards.
0: The people who are having the conference are not hearing any of this.
1: No, they're in like some basement bunker room or something. It's soundproofed.
0: Yeah, it's got to be soundproof. Yeah, Because there now Beast is making a lot of noise. He's combating all the various guards, taking them all down there's one a, by one.
1: There's a thacau and a Bok. And those are, mm-hmm. those are big letters, so you know they're making lots of noise. Yeah. Yeah, so Beast takes out basically the entire French army. Overwhelm him with sheer forces of numbers. Uh, ironically, <laughs> nobody says retreat. <laughs> so anyways, we have
0: already done that, Captain. Although already... you would
1: hardly notice it. <laughs> um, Marvel Girl comments that even Beast can't hold out that long against so many. But uh, Angel and her sneak into the facility to try to find the bomb, I guess. And they
0: discover the blob and the vanisher and a handful of hooded creeps. Yeah. And then Angel says, try to get around him, gal, while I make like Horatio at the bridge. I'm going to type this into Google.
1: So what does the internet say, Adam?
0: Essentially, there was a big bridge. So, cochlees or Cockle's. Uh, was the only guy with courage and he stood in the middle of the bridge defending Rome and he convinced his two senior officers to join him and uh there were lots of spears and stuff
1: so when angel says try to get around him gal while i make like horatio at the bridge what is angel really saying and it's okay to say, I have no idea.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with I have no idea.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's based on some true fact in Grecian history or some such. Okay, so Angel's going to defend communist Russia from the evil mutants on the bridge. The Vanisher, he's there, he's like, brash fools, did you really think to thwart factor three? Skip the fancy words, Vanisher. I've got a score to settle with those penny punks. And I'm settling it right now. I like panty-waist punk. That, that's a cool <laughs> term. My question is now, uh, do, do Beast or Van and or Vanisher have any idea that they've met the X-Men before? Yes. And do they know but, their both, secret both identities?
0: Of them, both of them mentioned last issue that they had been mind-wiped, I think.
1: Okay, so they're like, ah, I kind of remember you guys, but do they? Yeah, know? I remember, I remember aspects that are not important to your secret identities. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at. Okay, <laughs> so the next page, we go to a professor who's wearing one of those Indian head wraps and is trying to conjure up some smoke. Oh wait, no, that's not what's happening.
0: We go back to Shoehead Changeling.
1: The Changeling is confronting the Professor, and there's some smoke in the background. Oh, I know what's happening here. Okay. So the Professor is saying, Changeling, you're mad. The Mutant Master's plan will fail, and the X-Men will stop you. And and shoehorn man Changeling is like, oh, whatever. It's touching that you like your little X-Men people. But check out my predictoscope to see what's going to happen to the Earth. I love that he has a predictoscope.
0: Yeah, I wish I had a predictoscope.
1: (laughs) It would make things in life so much easier. You know what I just realized? Dear dear predictoscope, will I get that raise I've been looking for? (laughs) You know what I just realized? What's that?
0: See those three circles Mm. on his shirt, on Changeling's shirt? Yes. That's a symbol of factor three. Oh, yeah. Cause that's like a reoccurring, I've noticed that on, on uh, mutant master's helmet and you can kind of see it on uh changeling's helmet too. Oh, and they look like screws and they and were always like these, those things look like screws, but they're in fact, there's always three of them and they and were it's, also it's factor three insignia.
1: And they were also on Banshee's little headband. Yeah. Oh, somebody's clever
0: somebody's been actually thinking hard to believe
1: Adam I if there was a prize to give right now I would give it to you because I would have never noticed that (laughs) (laughs) because uh frankly this whole story has has bored me (laughs) so you get the attentiveness award yay (laughs) way to go attentiveness um, all right. So the professor says, still, it puzzles me. If the entire planet is a radioactive ruin, even the mutants will die, won't they? James says, now, nah, man, you forget about the scientific wizardry of Factor 3. And he goes on to say, look, we designed something that makes it so that you can hear me and speak me, but you can't use your powers.
0: You and the accursed banshee were allowed to live only so that you may witness our ultimate triumph. Now, this doesn't make any sense because they went to a lot of trouble to kidnap Professor X.
1: I thought there was something in the plan where they needed his power to help them with their plan, their evil plan.
0: I thought the same thing.
1: And then Banshee was just kind of bait or like, you know, I don't know. They really didn't give a reason for why they kept Banshee alive.
0: No, they just kept them. Maybe they kept him because they wanted him to witness the ultimate triumph. But uh, yeah, you're right. I thought that the professor was important to their plan, but they seem to have abandoned that notion.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of time, effort, resources. I mean, they had to contact the Juggernaut and uh, plant evidence with the with a Banshee and make those 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 spiders. All of that stuff just to get the professor. And huh. okay, well, I guess Factor Three's got a lot of time on their hands.
0: Where's the ogre in all of this?
1: Ah, he, he was just a pawn. <laughs> a pawn that got captured, I guess, maybe. I'm not really sure. Wasn't he kind of like the leader of the Banshee-Ogre duo? Yeah.
0: yeah. I thought he was an important member of Factor 3.
1: Maybe he'll be in the issue later. Maybe maybe when uh, a Mutant Master takes off his helmet or whatever, it'll be the Ogre.
0: Hmm, Okay.
1: So uh, the changeling keeps going and says, blah, 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 stuff and junk, and you're going to die and be disposed of. And then he punches the professor across the face and says, I'll kill you now. I'll kill you right where you stand.
0: So you better be quiet.
1: But the mutant master zooms in quietly on his little skiff thing and says, Zit. (laughs) Actually, Adam, you should do that. Zit. Yes, and says, uh, you shall not execute anyone. The mutant master is the only one who decides who lives and dies. And, it's uh, the master.
0: I forgot his mobile platform allows him to move about almost as freely as I.
1: Yes, pardon, sire. Uh, do not activate your deadly weapon against me. I merely... Come on, Jeremy, we've got to keep this exciting. Oh, I'm sorry. We've got <laughs> listeners. Pardon, sire. I do not act. Pardon, sire. Do not activate your weapon against me. I merely. That's Is it. What, you merely, ambitious. You are merely ambitious. You are merely <laughs> ambitious, underling. A quality which I detest in those who serve me. Now be gone to your cage. Ugh. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, we're only on page 10 of this horrible issue.
0: (laughs) So Cyclops and Iceman, now we find out where they are. And and, oh my God, this is, it's just going to get worse.
1: They went to a military base somewhere, maybe in Washington. We don't really. Apparently,
0: know. the only military base.
1: America's Miller, military base. They went to. The biggest
0: value of this page is that the caption reveals
1: to them as two other uncanny X-Men. Mm. Who could it be? And uh, so they land somehow. These two mutants landed their egg-shaped spaceship at this military base. Walked which in, which is
0: nowhere to be seen. If you look at the, uh, the the wide shot of the military base,
1: and this is a very wide shot because there's like three full size airplanes there and a bunch of barracks and such. I mean, mm-hmm. they wa- they must have parked it like t- ten miles out and walked in.
0: That's that's rough.
1: Somehow they got an audio. Well, they used ice slides, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's like- true. And somehow
0: well, they, we, 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 we would see the the ice slides would have stopped too unless they melted.
1: <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, And so somehow they got an audience with the general whose first first response is, what are you talking about? Get out of my office.
0: They're trying to convince him that Factor 3 has already taken over their missiles and they're going to be launched shortly. Yes. And uh, the general here is not buying it. And why would he?
1: (laughs) So they're not in Washington because the general says, Get these two locked up. while I call the Pentagon about this? So they're not at the Pentagon, which is in Washington. God knows where they are. And it's at this time that Cyclops stops asking questions and just starts shooting.
0: Yeah, he pretty much says, If you don't investigate our story, we'll have no choice but to start destroying your missiles. Bleh.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully they don't actually call me on my bluff because there are too many missiles here for me to destroy. (laughs) And then he's like, well, screw it. There are too many missiles, but I'm going to try. I'm shooting anyways. So he blows up a... I don't know what he blows. Oh, he blows out the side of a barrack here because uh, now they want to escape. Iceman... Iceman freezes the
0: general's hands.
1: Is that the general? Probably
0: crippling him.
1: <laughs> crippling and, him and for I life. Guess
0: I guess it's not the general because he's got a hat.
1: Yeah, it's like it's, it's...
0: He freezes somebody's hands.
1: It says air police here. Oh, no, no. Okay, I see what you're saying. And that panel says, my hands are frozen. So it's... yeah. And the next page, he knocks over some air police, whatever they are, uh, and the colonel or general or whoever is calling somebody and says, okay, Charlie, colonel says we got to stop these two guys over there no matter how. So they're already now, the X-Men are literally starting World War Three on their own. They're like falling into fact. Yeah, this, is, this is
0: just like, if, if there isn't mutant distrust already... <laughs> This is not going to help.
1: so you got the other three X men in russia you know uh instilling civil unrest, and then the two X men here attacking a military base saying, "No, we have to save the Europeans." Finally, on the next page, after all those small <laughs> european <little laughs> after all of those small little boxes, we get a page of two panels, and when I got to this page in the comic, I was like, "Oh my gosh, thank God." <laughs> There's not gonna be that much reading on this page. Basically though, the first panel's kinda of neat. Uh it shows like a, a machine gun shooting at uh Cyclops on the ground, much like you would see in like an action movie. Uh again, it's not very well drawn, but I like the concept.
0: Yeah, you can say we can pretty much not have to say that it's pretty well drawn for the rest of the issue because oh, okay. it's it's not pretty well drawn. <laughs>
1: And then the bottom panel on page 11 uh, is a big shot of Cyclops shooting something and Iceman shooting ice. And it seems like this page could have probably fallen into one of those small panels, but I think somebody was getting lazy at this point. (laughs) Maybe Don Heck was getting just as bored with this issue as we were.
0: He had no idea what he was doing. Why, why are there planes
1: flying overhead? I don't. Maybe they scrambled them that quickly. We've got to get those two guys at the Air Force Base. Let's launch the airplanes from the Air Force Base to attack the Air Force Base. Roger. <laughs> Scrambling jets.
0: So basically, Cyclops' and Iceman's plan is to destroy all the missiles, which Cyclops uh, thought to himself earlier that he couldn't do. But now he's decided that they have to try. There are hundreds of missiles here says Bobby.
1: <sighs> yes. Um we've got to we've got to try
0: lad or die trying. If we fail factor 3 will have won and the human race is
1: finished. Finished I tell you Bobby boy. <laughs> so fast forward to Europe in which Angel and Marvel Girl face off against the Blob and the Vanisher as well as some hooded purple guys. Quickly, agents, destroy the X-Men with ray blasts. Yes, vanish.
0: They fire their ray blasts, and Marvel Girl telekinetically moves a door in the way. Um, Those are
1: pretty crappy it, ray blasts if a door can stop them.
0: <laughs> they are pretty crappy ray blasts. Um, I, I would agree.
1: Uh, then the angel comes through, flies around, knocks them all over. and Knocks uh,
0: all the... Factor 3 eyes over and then runs straight into the blob.
1: Yep. I think this has happened before. And the blob says, not so fast, boy. Blah, blah, blah. Well, it's it's
0: slightly different because the Vanisher put... Can the Vanisher do that?
1: You know, it says here, uh, Angel says, Vanisher must have teleported him somehow. So if we go to the first panel, we see the blob and the Vanisher next to each other. If we go to this panel... And actually the next panel, you don't see Vanisher anywhere near. So Nightcrawler, who has the teleportation power, can teleport groups of people or himself or, or, or one other person, but he's got to be there with him. So one could extrapolate that on the Vanisher, though we haven't seen it yet. And I'll be honest, from what I know of the Vanisher, I don't think he can do it in the future. But Wait, he's still, he's know nowhere to be seen. I think,
0: I think in when he was a member of X-Force, he could do that. So I'm going to extrapolate from the 2000s that he can do that
1: <laughs> okay but regardless he must have like vanished in and then vanished out because you don't see him in any of these panels he's right.
0: behind the blob okay in both of these panels
1: so he repels off of the blob the blob says hey baby you want to take me on and she reminds everybody he's as a, he's as invulnerable as ever <laughs> <laughs> thanks marvel girl for that contribution Angel collects all of the guns at this point from all of the knocked down purple guys,
0: but he knows he doesn't know how to use them, so he throws them out the window.
1: Yep, we'll just throw these out the window. Ain't nobody gonna need them. He knocks over another purple guy. Marvel Girl goes diving at the uh, blob for some reason, but not. Well, at I the think blob.
0: The, the the blob is going after Marvel Girl, and she's diving out of the way.
1: Oh, Okay. And so she also uses a little bit of telekinesis to kind of throw him off, so his timing's all off and he misses. I don't really know what the point of that panel is. Vanisher uses his awesome power of holding a gun.
0: Yeah, this is very confusing. <laughs> um, in one panel, we have Vanisher with a gas gun aimed at Angel, and the next panel, panel somehow... The gas gun has been turned around and Vanisher is knocked over. And the dialogue says, just as I hoped, I managed to upset him so that he was gassed by his own weapon before he had time to teleport himself away. I don't follow either that dialogue or these two panels. Yeah. But there's a whoosh, so it must have to do with the well, foosh.
1: The foosh is the gun noise. Is it? I would assume so, because it's right above the gun, which looks like it has discharged the gas.
0: He's just keeping over it, because I don't know what's going on.
1: (laughs) He says, stand still, you... Mm." I don't know what happened here. Maybe Angel kicked him or something. He is just the vanisher, after all.
0: Well, in the next panel, Marvel Girl somehow telekinetically moves the gas around Blob's head.
1: Yeah. Which is kind
0: of a cool use of her powers. I mean, it's not very logical, but it—I like it. Yeah, Marvel Girl's thinking she's she's using what's available to her. Using and the And she tools knocks out right. the blob.
1: Yeah, he he falls over the vanishers She's she now she's okay. So she's used her power to move the gas over the blob. The blob falls over. He's passed out. And so she's instantly uh, changed her telekinetic um, target to the vanisher, and now she's spinning the vanisher around the room. Right. Hopefully to keep him too dizzy to teleport away.
0: Notice this picture of the blob. His lower torso is face up, and his upper torso is face down.
1: (laughs) I hadn't noticed that, Adam.
0: Either that or his legs are backwards.
1: I'm not sure what's happening here.
0: That's just an awful rendering of the
1: blob. (laughs) Don Heck was drawing with both hands. He's like drawing the legs
0: like, I'm going to draw him face down. And then he went to sleep and he woke up and he's like, got to finish this face
1: up. (laughs) Yes, the blob is definitely in a contorted position. (laughs) That's hilarious. Okay. Uh, So anyways, the plan to keep the vanisher where he is by spinning him around the room doesn't work because he disappears anyways.
0: Not to reappear. He must have reappeared in the United States
1: somewhere. Sure, why not? (laughs) Uh, And then she says, for some reason, he's gone, just as he did before the professor blanked out his memory. What? 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 Why is that dialogue there?
0: Just to remind you, back in issue two, that the professor blanked out his memory.
1: But it says he's gone, just as he did before the professor blanked out his memory.
0: Well, when the professor blanked out his memory, he made it so that he forgot he was a mutant. Yeah, so I she's don't know. just
1: reminding us that he can vanish and teleport. That's what I think. Oh, oh by the way, audience, he can teleport.
0: Yeah, because he hasn't. He, I don't know. Whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, never mind that gal. We've got to hurry and find those generals and, blam, so some things explode.
0: It's the hooded, hooded agents of Factor 3 Explode. It turns out they're androids.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, and so this is where things got a little confused, and I actually texted Adam saying, Adam, I think I'm missing five pages of my comic book. <laughs> because on the last panel, the the, the assassin, no, I'm, the military men come out and say, you're assassins. Come here to pay, kill our generals. We have captured you. And if you don't read this really close and you turn the page it doesn't make any sense. Go on. Because if you turn the page, all of a sudden they're all in a room with the beast. The beast's clothes are torn up. I don't know how his clothes got torn up. And the blob is laying behind him. So when I first went through this, I was like, okay, five pages transverse to have them all land in this prison cell where they are. Oh, okay. And in which case, (laughs) there's one little connector here. There's all of this dialogue on this page on page 14, and Marvel Girl says, and I just remembered the Beast. What have they done to him? On the next page, quickly, however, the helpless f- f- pair learn the location of Hank P. McCoy, but under somewhat less than auspicious circumstances.
0: What I want to know is the blob is unconscious. How did they move him?
1: Well, yeah, that's why I thought I was missing pages, because like, a lot of things had to happen for all of these people to get back in the same room.
0: The Blob is immovable. They shouldn't be able to move him.
1: Look, bro, I'm with you. That's why I thought <laughs> I was missing pages. I was like, none of this makes any sense. And then I realized this comic book's only 15 pages. Thank God. Good Lord. Can you imagine if there was four more pages in this thing? <laughs> huh.
0: Maybe even four more pages. They could have finished the Factor 3 saga. But as we find in the next panel, it's the end of part 2 Woo-hoo. Or part eight, depending on what you're counting.
1: And the Mutant Masters con. Costume has changed from a yellow color back to green.
0: And he's uh laughing about his victory, and within minutes the explosion will happen, and uh the X-Men are prisoners, all part of his plan. So that's where we end. Uh, Cyclops, Iceman blasting missiles, beast, Marvel Girl. Angel captured in a uh inescapable prison with the blob.
1: What an embarrassing way for those two highly trained mutants to be captured though. By like six people with guns.
0: Yeah, I don't know, they just gave up. Hmm.
1: Well, they got us, all, they got us off guard. Oh no. So they <laughs> so there you go,
0: folks. But no, there you go. Not yet. Wait, what? Because there's another story.
1: All right, folks. This is where you 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 hit pause. You go out to iTunes. You leave us a nice little review. You give us five stars because we're so informative and funny. And you go out to Facebook and you go to facebook dot com forward slash Danger Room Production. Wait, facebook dot com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. And you're still on pause and you're going to the bathroom because look, we're already into an hour mark here at this point. You need your you need a break at this point. Go get yourself a soda, a little snack. Don't worry, we'll wait. Okay, we're dead waiting. <laughs> so this the second story that we get is called The Origins of the X Men. A man called X.
0: Where we meet a man called X? Woohoo! There isn't, isn't actually a man called X in this story.
1: Uh, there better be. There isn't. <laughs> so the story is written by Roy Thomas, drawn by Werner Roth. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got uh, John Verporten as the inker. Sam Rosen back as our letterer. Yeah. And there you go. So we and we'll have... try to, let's,
0: try, let's try to make this one quick. Because... Oh, Cause we're already over an
1: hour. Uh, yeah. This. This. So basically, this is. Uh, yeah. This is the origins of the X Men. So apparently, as uh, the yellow box says, it's the most requested superheroes and most requested superhero series in Marveldom. So.
0: So I guess people must have been writing in and, and asking for. I want to know how the X Men got together.
1: So the setting, is a long file cabinet room in the bowels of the X-Mansion behind a locked door where we zoom in on a filing cabinet and on that filing cabinet we get a little label that says subjects mutant subtopic the (laughs) (laughs) X-Men cue credits go music cue Patrick Stewart (laughs) every now and then evolution takes an evolutionary step oh sorry (laughs) I can't remember his dialogue.
0: We cut to a TV where there's an anti-mutant riot happening and two people are watching it and deciding that they need to start investigating the so-called mutant menace. So we know that this takes place a while back, before issue one even.
1: I thought that um, in X-Men number one, really X-Men number one through like number five or six or something... It all seemed very happy and coexistence and coexistent and peaceful. It didn't seem until maybe like seven, eight, nine, and then later on where some of the mutant like, I don't know about those mutants, and certainly we didn't see any sort of mutant rage until we got to the Sentinel story. so
0: Well, you know, they were they were developing what the X-Men were all about, and: um,
1: This seems like the first of many retcons.
0: This is definitely a retcon.: <laughs> Okay,
1: just so that we're clear. So, uh, a couple of FBI agents, as you mentioned, uh, talk about the panic and they better do something, start a file or something. And then we flash to a cobblestone pathway in front of a mansion where a boy is throwing newspapers. And he's talking about, man, this place is creepy, but hey, he pays the bills. I get my money every week. And this is. And uh,
0: an old man's hand reaches out to grab the newspaper. He sees the headline, says mutants on it, and he's like, oh could it be? And uh, it's Professor X.
1: It's a man called X.
0: Oh, okay, fine.
1: <laughs> and he it's says... It's
0: a man called, a man named Charles Xavier.
1: And he says, ah, oh, so it's come at last. I knew it. It's happening. The day the human race discovered the presence of mutants...
0: I must leave for Washington at once.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't
0: know. According to this account, the FBI is beginning a special investigation as of today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a very detailed newspaper article. Yeah. Normally, the uh, federal government doesn't give that detailed of information. Today is the very first day we're going to start our investigation in Al-Qaeda. We've never done it before. <laughs> Interesting. As soon
0: as you publish this paper, we will begin. <laughs>
1: Okay, so yeah, he leaves for um, Washington at once. He, the
0: he, professor reveals that since uh, losing his brother in Korea, or the tragedy that befell his brother in Korea, which we know turned him into the juggernaut, mm-hmm. he's been uh, very reclusive, uh, keeping trying to keep mutants a secret. And um,
1: I feel that at some point, hiding in, out. I feel that some point in the future, this very retcon will be retconned once again oh for sure for sure <laughs> uh, but anyways yes as you mentioned so he goes down like a service elevator or something from the back of his mansion it looks like anyways
0: into his ex cave
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, but any he, he comments that his mansion was not only a refuge but a prison so he gets in his ex copter he takes the ex copter out for a spin <laughs> Yeah, so apparently, uh, yeah, he, he he can fly it. Well, we know that he can fly it, of course. So he flies that thing out to Washington, which, you know, come on, once again, he flies a helicopter into protected airspace. I mean, I've heard some stories that, I mean, you know, remember, like, shortly after 9-11, somebody flew an airplane around and, like, the military was on, like, high alert? Mm-hmm. You don't just fly a helicopter into Washington, D.C., especially in oh, the does. Capitol building.
0: He's the professor. Yeah, he's, he's a right. man called X. <laughs>
1: So the next part, he lands his helicopter somewhere, so somehow he got clearance to land it, and he wheeled himself off to the FBI building. I don't know. He uses his mutant mind-wiping powers to say, he basically uses the force and says, these are not the droids you're looking for. And they're like, go on, <laughs> old man, go inside.
0: Well, this is pre-'77.
1: That's true. Maybe George Lucas stole this bit from the X-Men.
0: The Yeah, the guards at the door tell him he's not allowed to come in, and he basically says... Yes, I am, and you won't remember this.
1: As he wheels himself through the office space, there's a bunch of women <laughs> typing on their <laughs> typewriters, as women did in the 60s. But he's mind-wiping them so that basically he's invisible to their brains, I guess. And they, uh, we go into the offices of uh, Bill and Mystery FBI agent. No, Bill and Fred. Fred. Uh, yes. And they're watching a video of a ship container being put on a truck for some reason and says this is the 10th time we've run the film and bill's like that's because we're watching the wrong film there aren't <laughs> any mutants in this film this is about that smuggling incident oh jeez, thanks bill no i don't know why they're watching this video
0: i don't know why this video was taken recorded by chance by tv news cameras we're going yeah. to film the uh <laughs> this thing randomly that isn't very exciting
1: so I guess as they lift the cargo thing off of the pickup truck onto a crane, a scarlet uh, beam shoots at the crane and knocks it all down. This area is not
0: very well protected.
1: Not at all. It's a, yeah, and so the camera then is amazingly able to pick out the source of it, a young teenager who's grasping the temples of his sunglasses.
0: They, purely, they clearly put a camera inside of the crate.
1: <laughs> yes, because it's crate vision at this point. <laughs> it's it's a very big production that they've got here. Multi-camera shoot. Uh and that's when they, they pull back a little bit and they see the full force of this teenager's eye beams and he takes off his
0: glasses and blasts it with a zapped.
1: And disintegrates that cargo container. Once again, this is a retcon that I feel is going to be retconned again sometime soon.
0: (laughs) And then we get a shot from the mutant's point of view Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of the crowd being very angry.
1: He must have been some kind of mutant, a monster with deadly powers. Then he's more dangerous than a falling crate by far. So it was Cyclops that created the mutant hysteria. Yeah. My question is, why did they watch this tape ten times? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I pretty much got it from the first time. Yeah, clearly
1: a teenager shot with his eyes the crane and then saved the people inadvertently or something. I guess
0: it's so unbelievable.
1: Yeah, maybe, I suppose. They're just like, wow, this is amazing.
0: I could watch this all day.
1: Are you learning anything? No, but this is amazing. (laughs) Watch it again. This is part of
0: their investigation.
1: Look at this. Let's let's watch it again. This is awesome. Can we watch it again?
0: It's really neat special (laughs) effects.
1: Uh so it, yeah. Bill says it's uncanny. There's something about these mutants. I assume this is Bill anyways. The blonde haired guy. No.
0: Um, no, that's Fred.
1: Oh. The blonde guy's Fred. Okay. Uh let me let's see. Right. Fred says it's uncanny. There's something about the thought of mutants and otherwise normal human beings born with extra powers. That drives distrust. It's at this point that the professor wheels himself in.
0: Uh, Fred also suspects that it was an accident the first time that caused the crate to fall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he does say something. It looks like that kid probably caused the accident, but then was able to fend off the accident. So that's showing that's that Fred's that... got a little bit of critical thinking capabilities and isn't jumping to conclusions like the rest of the humans.
0: Right. Yeah. Professor X shows up inside the room. And uh, Bill tries to push him back outside the room.
1: We don't know how he got in, but I sure know how he's going to get out. But he can't push the wheelchair because the professor is using his mind powers to make the wheelchair seem really, 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 really heavy.
0: You merely think you are pushing with all your might. In reality, it is you who are immobilized by me.
1: How ironic.
0: Fred pulls his gun.
1: Yeah, and... uh,
0: And the professor reveals, you are the one I've come to see because you, Agent Fred Duncan, are in charge of this investigation. Fred Duncan? Why, yes. I I recognize that name.
1: I believe if you go back to issue two, there'll be a little comment by a host named Jeremy who says, Fred Duncan plays an important part in the X-Men's history.
0: Little did you know, it was the first retcon.
1: (laughs) But still, called it... Anyways, Fred can't pull the trigger on his gun because the professor is using that same power, a power that he should use more often. He wouldn't even need the X-Men if he just ran around using that power. (laughs) I'm going to destroy the world. No, you're not. I can't move.
0: (laughs) He's a powerful mutant, but he's old and he has little faith in himself because of his wheelchair. That's right. And his male pattern
1: baldness. (laughs) So he uh, talks to the, he says, uh, you can't go find those mutants. You'll just antagonize them and make them mad. I should go find them. Let me go find them. I'll help you. That's eh, not a bad idea, I guess. <laughs> Bill, you got anything? No, Fred, I was I was kind of hoping you'd come. All right, well, hey, Baldy, you, you got a shot here. You're on. Okay,
0: Xavier, you've sold Fred Duncan.
1: <laughs> just check in with us at regular intervals. Excellent.
0: We'll supply you with all the info we have on a regular basis, including completely random stuff that would seemingly not be important.
1: <laughs> so finally, we have a little bit of backstory as why the U.S. government continually calls the professor with odd information.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to go back to where the professor is um, flying his helicopter, and I'll try to weave this in. Okay. I thought as the professor is flying his helicopter towards the capital. I thought it was interesting, this little bit of dialogue. How ironical that it took merely one newspaper article to make me see that my fate and that the fate of humanity are inextricably entwined. Is that ironical? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty ironical. (laughs) Or is the professor just crazy?
0: He's crazy. I suspected it all along.
1: Ironic would be like, I quit the newspaper company so that I could become rich. But by reading this newspaper, I now have become rich. Maybe.
0: Ironical is like 10,000 forks when all you need is a knife.
1: (laughs) That's just bad luck. That's not ironic. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, so the professor Fred Duncan and Bill have aligned forces to um, try to. Corral
0: the mutants.
1: Corral the mutants.
0: And next issue, we get The Origin of Cyclops. Dun, dun,
1: dun.
0: Pretty exciting.
1: I can't wait. There you go, folks. Two stories in one.
0: One kind of interesting. The other one pretty awful.
1: Yeah. Thank God next issue is the end of the Factor 3 saga. I'm sure it's going to get much better after the factor three saga too. I bet
0: it will. I mean, it can't, it can't, the,
1: the, I was, I was all for the factor three saga for a
0: while, but it's just, this issue was just bad. And if, (laughs) if next issue has Don heck drawing, I don't know.
1: Adam, I have bad news for you.
0: Oh no, (laughs) Don, I may have to give up the podcast. You might have to do the next one solo. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah. Well, there you go folks. We dropped the information at the break. Um we got a
0: we got a shout out on the Facebook from one Holden W Atreides. Um he writes, "Found your guys podcast lately and I am slowly making my way through all of the episodes. Uh I have to tell you, you guys rock my bleeping socks off." I decided to bleep that, but he wrote effing.
1: Get out of here. <laughs> That's passion.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's serious business. When I popped Marvel Comics into iTunes looking for podcasts, I was basically imagining something like your podcast, but not hoping to find anything close to it. That's great.
1: Yeah, man. If you go to Google and you type in X-Men podcast, we're like the number three hit. Sweet. Yeah. If you I didn't in, even
0: know that if you typed in Marvel Comics into iTunes, we would show up, but apparently we do.
1: That's pretty fantastic. Uh, we come up as, like, number 20. Oh, uh, we should fix that. But if you type in X-Men uh, under the podcast category, I think we're also number three, right behind uh, the first class podcast, which has been abandoned, and another official X-Men podcast. So we're, like, the number one non-official X-Men podcast if you type in X-Men. So there you yeah. go. That's pretty sweet. <laughs>
0: So thank you Holden for listening and thank you for letting us find out about all this information about, about ourselves. You really, uh, you really floated our ego there.
1: William Henry Baker wrote into the Facebook page saying that he has been forever immortalized in the digital bits.
0: I I believe something that you create, you, uh, you, you coined.
1: Uh, And for that, I say you're welcome.
0: (laughs) We also got a new uh f- review on the iTunes um from someone named Henraldo.
1: Oh, Henraldo. He basically took our advice and uh he put awesome and then he actually wrote some more text, which is which is hey, awesome, not to be repeated. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> that was like uh that's like overachievement. We literally just asked for folks to go out and write awesome and maybe give us four or five stars. This guy wrote awesome gave us five stars and wrote some encouraging text. So yeah, kudos to Geraldo. That's a twofer. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for Thanks, Enraldo. <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah, so that's Did just... you just call
0: him Geraldo?
1: <laughs> I Gerardo, Geraldo, Heraldo, I don't know. Henraldo. Henraldo. We appreciate Feedback. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Thanks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Good night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, folks, uh, until next time, the danger room is thankfully closed. If gods, aliens, or people from other
0: planets have been observing the Earth, they might conclude that humans were attempting to destroy their planet
1: in an orgy of mutual self-destruction and mass suicide on a planetary scale.